In this episode, we have Alexandra Oates on the podcast, who provides motherhood support through her work as a doula and matrescence coach. She shares her journey and experience from maiden to motherhood, and you can find her on Instagram at mama underscore AO underscore motherhood support, which is tagged in the episode notes. This is a very juicy episode. We've actually recorded it live from the mountains in Spain together. And I've personally found it really interesting to observe. It's definitely one for all women and men, whether you're a friend, auntie, uncle or parent. Hello and welcome to The Feminine Gathering, a judgment-free and safe space to share stories of collective healing and to liberate the divine feminine within us. I'm Deborah. I'm Gemma, we're your hosts, and together we've created this space to welcome you to listen and chat with us as we discover how feminine and masculine archetypes play a role in our lives as we navigate these energies together. We explore how to step into our personal power by expressing our authentic selves. The Divine Feminine has been suppressed for far too long, and it's time we come together to set her free. This is more than a movement. This is a paradigm shift. Thank you for joining us. So today I am tuning in from the mountains in rural Spain with one of my closest friends in the world, Alex. She provides motherhood support uh, through her work as a doula and a matrescence coach. And we're going to open up the conversation today around that journey of maiden to mother and conscious parenting, potentially. Would you like to introduce us to your journey and how that started for you in matrescence? Yeah, so thank you so much for inviting me to come and have a chat with you today. My name is Alexandra Oates, Mama AO, and yes, as Gemma says, I provide motherhood support. I am also a mother of two young boys, so I have my one son that's two and a half nearly and another son that's eight months old. And yes, before I became a mum, I didn't ever think about motherhood. I didn't really know what it was going to entail. It's just, you see kids in the park with their mums and you think, oh, that looks fun. (laughs) That'd be cute, maybe one day. But yes, since becoming a mum, I have been on a very big journey myself through the journey from maiden to mother and one that I was not prepared for, definitely. And I think a lot of mums are not prepared for the transition that we go through. In the world of matrescence, we call it a rite of passage, and it definitely was a rite of passage for me, one that I didn't really understand as a rite of passage when I was uh, traversing through it. It took me nearly a year into my motherhood journey to find the word matrescence. And so just to give you a bit of background of what matrescence is, so it is talking about the journey of maiden to mother, but it was first coined in 1970 by an anthropologist called Dana Raphael. And it was the first time that somebody actually started to acknowledge that transition that we go through and seeing it as something that needs to be talked about and culturally accepted and to be seen for for what it is all the aspects that it affects us in you know our identity changes our place in society changes our center of gravity changes where our focuses need to be there's so much that we have to unpack possibly with our birthing journey that we've gone through where we are now in society You know, there's just so much that we aren't necessarily ready for and have an understanding of. There's so many brain changes that we experience. There's so many relationship changes that we go through and, you know, possible changes in our career. Obviously, like a lot of our feedback that we get generally through our career is through all the KPIs that we hear and managers giving us hopefully good feedback all the time. But all of a sudden, when you're a mum, you're at home all alone, right? And so there's nobody saying, oh, well done, you've done a good job today. Like, you've changed all those nappies, you've kept a baby entertained, like, you've put the baby to sleep. And there's, yeah, your your life changes a lot. And there's a lot that's unspoken about in motherhood. There's a lot of loneliness that people experience. There's a lot of pressure that we have, whether that's from our peers, whether that's from our elders, whether that's from you know, culturally, social media, there's so much that all of a sudden you're getting laid on top of you, but actually you're also recovering from birth and you're also dealing with all the hormone changes. You're also dealing with not much sleep. You're also dealing with feeding challenges possibly. Um, And so there's a lot missing in (laughs) the antenatal side of education as well to 
prepare us for the journey that we do go on when we go from maiden to mother. And as I said, that wasn't anything that I had explained to me until a year after my first son was born. Um, and so, yeah, that's why I'm here today, really, is to help try and spread the word about matrescence. And hopefully some of the words that I've said already and that we will continue talking about will resonate with mothers um, and they'll be able to connect with and being able to delve deeper into that subject to be able to be seen for what they've experienced um, and be able to feel understood for what they've they've journeyed because it's so vital once it's so vital to be <laughs> to understand what we go through and for also for our family members to understand what we've been experiencing because we don't sometimes we don't identify with ourselves we don't recognize ourselves in those moments and obviously then other people aren't going to recognize us they they think oh well what's happened to what's happened to Alex since she's become a mom or like the, who is this who's this person now you know and we do we do change as people and that's totally justified but yet we're not expected to change like society is watching over us going are you back in your jeans yet are you able to go to those brunches? Are you able to come out and be the person that you used to be yet? But you can't because you have completely changed. Like it's it's something that is just massively underrated and it's something that really needs to be acknowledged. Matrescence is, to give it a quick term of phrase, it's, it's like adolescence basically. The amount of changes that we go through as through adolescence, as teenagers, all the hormonal changes, the identity changes, the social changes, all of those things we go through when we're a teenager, but yet it's so understood and acknowledged, right? And so everybody goes, oh, okay, don't worry, that's just teenage years, fair enough. But when it comes to becoming a mother, it's it's not spoken about or, yeah, we don't, it's not okay. <laughs> we're not given that right. Yeah, so. Wow, my goodness. As much as, like, I feel I have some understanding from being so close to you and having witnessed your journey. Like everything you've just said to me has hit me like in a way that, yeah, like you're right. Like people just don't have these conversations until they're in that position. And there's like not that awareness of actually the journey that you're going through and what you've just said about like the societal expectations of you and all lies on you all the time to, Oh, is, are you fitting into these jeans yet? Like how well were you performing as a mother and actually coming you know, mainstream society coming at such a judgmental angle actually makes me feel so sad because there's all this like identity shift that's actually happening for you at the same time as you're like juggling all these new priorities. And like you say, it's like not spoken enough, which is why we're here today, right? To like share these stories and actually hopefully connect with people that are listening that may be feeling lonely as they go through that huge shift in their life from from maiden to mother and yeah Deborah how would you how does it feel for you you know hearing Alex say that and and how that reflects back to your journey I mean you've got a a three-year-old gorgeous little girl so I suspect you've been through some <laughs> transitions yourself over those years oh my gosh so listening to Alex talk really sort of just brought me back to that moment to the to the moment of where like, you know, I found out I was pregnant my whole life before that and imagining my life, what it would be after. And like she said, you really aren't prepared for the changes or what comes with that. And interestingly enough, it's the first time that I even hear of that term matrescence. And I think we sort of touched upon that earlier uh, because here, definitely in the United States, it's not something that's talked about. And I think that has to do a lot with what she was saying with the societal pressures and just the way that society works at the moment. Where do I want to, where do I even want to start? I resonated so much with what she was saying because I think this is something as a mom, I still go through. I mean, it's been three years in and I don't think that's been long enough or that is long enough for me to truly figure out who I am as a person now, as opposed to who I was. And this also comes in conjunction with a lot of other changes I've been going through in my life. Uh, so before I even got uh, pregnant, I was already making changes in my life. And then I got pregnant to then have to be forced into a whole nother, I mean, forced is a probably not the best word, but it's just, it kind of is sort of a forcing. Like once you get pregnant, that's it. Like, you know, it's, 
you have to change. Like either, how do I explain this? Either you change or you don't, you know, you adapt or you don't. And I think that for me, it was obviously one of those things where I'm like, yeah, I'm going to adapt to be a mother. And this is obvious for me, but it doesn't necessarily mean it was easy. And it doesn't mean that it still is. Sometimes I still struggle with having to figure out who I am, not only as a mom, but as, as a, you know, this tiny little endeavor that we're doing with our, like our own businesses and stuff as a wife, as an employee for, for a, a firm and trying to juggle all that and figure out if that's really what I want and who I want to be, or if I just want to completely, oh my gosh, I don't know how to explain it, but like completely resign everything I thought I was and just find a whole new identity. And I think that's sort of been the road I've been on at the moment. Like whatever I thought I was and whoever I thought I was is not anything of who I am now or who I want to be. And that has a lot to do with my journey into motherhood um, and where I thought that where I want my life to go and how who I want to be for my child. So this whole idea of matrescence is very important because maybe if we shed some light on it if we talk about it and have more people understand what it's like and that it's not a soul it is a solo journey but you it doesn't have to be because there's so many women who go through the same thing there isn't a community out there that we can help each other figure it out together and maybe it doesn't have to be such a lonely journey although obviously there's some stuff that we're gonna have to do on our own sorry about that but the idea is to get the word out and to help these women or all of us, all these mothers, understand and have support through this. Excuse me. <laughs> I mean. Yeah, and that's a really, just to pick up on one of the points that you made there, Deborah, was really important. Um, you were saying, you know, you're three years into this now and, you know, you're still asking yourself some questions. And just to say that with your matrescence journey, it's it's cyclical it's never linear and it's always going to be ongoing and so we are always going to be going through this cycle of matrescence depending on you know different development stages of our children environmental changes for our children when they start school when they start nursery like my son has just started a nursery last week and so for me I'm like kicking through this whole other cycle again of like you know do I want him to go do I not want him to go that attachment the detachment like what you know so many things that come up in all of these stages you know And so we are always going to be finding our new selves in these moments, you know, and we're never and with life always we're evolving as human beings. But yeah, just to just to to touch on that point of our matrescence journey will forever be a new journey. It's not just about the postnatal period or the first year of motherhood. It is ongoing. And I think that's an important point to make. Because I think maybe there is a misconception that it's just like that small initial transition, like, oh, you know, you have, you gave birth. Oh my God, your child's a baby. But once they reach preschool years, it's back to normal. Like, you know, or like, understand. And I think it's very important to highlight that. Yeah, for sure. Like you've got it under the belt. That's fine. Like (laughs) baby's eating, they're walking. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's not the situation at all. And how do you how do you go through that every time like being aware that you're gonna have like as a matrescence coach you're aware that these identity shifts are kind of coming and as with anything in life I think it's helpful to have awareness of you know our transitions but knowing that they're coming in that aspect like does that make it like easy is not the right word but like does it help you prepare for the next stage more or like yes definitely because also you know that it's a frame of time so matrescence really gave me a language for me to be able to be aware of my journey but it also made me realize that nothing's permanent and everything does come in stages and it does come in cycles and so that brings me hope in one of maybe the darkest moments that I'm in I know that there's light coming (laughs) you know and that it's not always going to be that way or if I'm finding something particularly challenging then having that that language of the matrescence that I know that I'm I that yeah good things will come as well (laughs) if that makes sense yeah 
And what about people that aren't yet aware of matrescence? And this is, you know, for many people listening, as it is for me listening to you and, and Deborah too, like matrescence for us is a new concept. So what advice would you give somebody that doesn't know, hasn't trained as a matrescence coach and doesn't know, you know, the full spectrum of that world? What advice would you give them that are listening and, and are starting that journey from maiden to mother? Just start learning, start researching, Google matrescence. You know, there's there's a few books out there. There's there's coaches out there. There's information. There's even just knowing a little bit from a few Instagram profiles. Any little nugget of information will help you. It's not like you have to go on a, a huge exploration for it. It's there is so much information that's available, and obviously, guide uh, coaching and having a guidance as well is is something more than that depending how far you want to delve into things. But yeah, there's there's definitely a lot of information out there that will already help you start to look at your journey differently, I'd say. And what about the journey that, because you've had, you had one child and then what, was it nine months later? Oh, I know, sorry, that would <laughs> do the maths. How long after did you have Luca after Louis? So I've just explained I've got two children. I don't think I can do maths. <laughs> My brain is so boggled, but uh, yeah, I need to get a couple of years sleep before I can start doing maths again. Uh, I can't, there's 20 months between them. So right. I yeah. can't do maths either. It's, I've, it's, <laughs> they were close by, close enough. <laughs> but sorry, what was your initial yeah, question? I've got the baby brain as well. I've been with the kids for two for a week and uh, yeah, things start to, <laughs> yeah. maths equations blur start lines, brain cells start to change. <laughs> What was my question going to be? I was going to ask what the what you've learned from like having baby number one and going through a matrescence journey to now you're like on to baby number two. Yeah. So I think I was with the second pregnancy and the first few months or first eight months of my second child. After knowing more about matrescence, I was just truly empowered to live my experience and to feel validated by all of my feelings and feel that all the different hormonal changes I was having and all the different influences and and all that they were all justified and it really made me be able to sit up in my seat and be like you know what I'm feeling and this is okay because I'm going through matrescence and you need to understand (laughs) what I'm living as a mother as a human and I'm an individual and I need to be understood and so I think I really had that empowerment from knowing more about it it definitely made me more confident about what I was feeling and also just to say around postnatal depression and and motherhood you know that's there's a big taboo around it and there's a big misunderstanding I'd say around the subject I think that there is a very thin line between matrescence and postnatal depression and I think it's very difficult for maybe the medical industry to know what matrescence is (laughs) so I think if a mother is having a low point or you know difficult time during her matrescence journey I think a lot of the time she can be labeled as having postnatal depression sorry I have so many questions and I'm just trying to wrap my head around which where where I'm going to go first (laughs) and I think I have uh excuse me madam I think I want to first touch upon oh my god I want to touch upon when you said that this word was coined in like 1970 by an anthropologist. And the reason that I want to touch upon it is because for me, it's interesting that it took some woman to, you said it was a woman, right? Um, Who went out and said, Hey, this is an issue. We need to talk about this. But now as a matrescent coach and, you know, since you've been doing this for a while, have you found that this is just more of a sort of like a, western culture phenomenon or do you see that the 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 idea of matrescence is actually present in more let's say uh, indigenous communities or other types of communities that maybe it's more accepted there but not necessarily in let's say more developed cultures i'd say that's a huge question and there's so much that i could go on and say about that i think that Yes, Western cultures, we have different expectations for our mothers. The patriarchy has a very big role in that. And if we look at maybe, you know, the the Eastern cultures and more tribal cultures, 
they take care of their mothers very differently. They see the role of the mother in the community, being the heart of the community. They see how there is a food chain of looking after the mother and how, and even uh, the, the, the women of the, the community, you know, very differently. The way that we would have been respected in terms of our menstruation and different, <laughs> you know, what our, what our bodies are giving to the world. So, I, yeah, it's it's a very big subject that we could go further into, but I don't think we will have time for it today. But just to say that the the Western world definitely has a different expectation for mothers and a different viewpoint on how we are respected, I guess. But yeah, that's the patriarchy, right? Yeah, and I was that it made me wonder if that's also why the you said that you know matrescence is like adolescence but adolescence is more accepted and maybe I was wondering well maybe it's more accepted because both men and women go through adolescence and only Mm -hmm. women go through matrescence Mm -hmm. so maybe that's something that because as men you know they don't know what that's like it's you know kind of pushed aside because why would they worry Mm -hmm. they don't have to deal with it you understand so it was just really interesting to see the connection between all this and society and how in 19 it just for me it was boggling that in 1970 this is when this coin this term was coined and I was like I wonder if that has to do a lot with the switches and the changes in our in our system in our family in our homes and the switch from a woman becoming more independent and wanting to go to work and the changes and everything in there too so it just it's like really painting a big picture for me um in that sense so my other question now is as far as, as, you know, matrescent coach, how do you, what is like, what does it look like? What does the steps look like to prepare a woman to initiate her journey? And how do you work with just her? Do you also work with her like doctors? Like, how does that work for you? Like, how do you do that? So yeah, I work with mums on an individual basis. So we've just had some rain starting here. So hopefully you can still hear us okay. But yes, it's about working with mothers on an individual basis for me at the moment. And first of all, bringing in that education. So whether that's working during their antenatal, so when they're pregnant, preparing them for the transitions that they're going to initially be going through. Because also to say that our matrescence journey starts when we're pregnant. So when we first conceive, that is when our journey begins. Um, because of the hormonal changes that we then start to experience, because of the the brain changes that we have and obviously the, the body changes that we go through. Um, but also that's our moment when we have to start surrendering to the changes that are happening to us, you know, and acknowledging that we have to make space for the new and we do have to start making slight alterations to our being because of obviously the, 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 the journey that we are about to embark. Um, and so it's yeah, the first point is the education, definitely, is to make sure that they have an understanding of what they can experience, you know, and matrescence that is not a prescriptive um, explanation. There's lots of different factors and influences, and it will depend on you as an individual. It will depend on, you know, different social and cultural factors that you're exposed to. It will depend on what you're uh conditioning has been what your upbringing has been to how we to how we parent right and to how we see our roles and to how we are treated by our families um and our extensions um and so yeah everybody will have a unique experience everybody will have a different journey and so when you're working with a mother it's really about getting to know them getting to understand how their life has been what their influences have been what their current influences are and then obviously if it's working with a mother that is already a mother or working with a woman that's already a mother in any stage of motherhood whether that's with a one-year-old a five-year-old ten-year-old however yeah just understanding more about her life and for her to try and delve into where she's struggling you know and it it will all depend on that first initial conversation to see where we need to be shining some light and where we need to be helping her lift herself up because it's about the self-empowerment you know it's as with any kind of coaching or guiding it's 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 not about giving the answers it's for 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 the person that you're working with for them to find the answers within themselves so yeah it's 
it's a unique experience with every with every mother I'd say and do you think that there's a obstacle like is in your work have you seen a pattern and like the biggest obstacles that mothers tend to have in their matrescent journey I think it's I mean, I won't necessarily speak on terms in terms of women that I've worked with, but I think for me personally, it's more about not being understood. I think that that's been the, the one of the biggest challenges is to not be not to be understood by <laughs> by people that haven't experienced it before, and even you know partners or family members that may not fully grasp the the gravity of of what's been experienced. <laughs> the gravity of the gravity of change, motherhood. Yeah. Because again, we just get expected that you just get on with it, and that you haven't changed, and that you're you're fine. If as long as your baby's happy, then mother's happy, right? And it's not necessarily the case. I think there is so many struggles, and identity for me was a huge difference, you know. And like the lack of freedom, the lack of, I mean, let's face it, motherhood is relentless. There is no stop. There's no off button. Yes, your child can go to sleep, but I mean, fantastic if they go to sleep before you do. But half the time you just want to go to sleep at the same time as them because you're so exhausted from the day. <laughs> so when do you carve out that slice of time? Yeah, that's, again, another caveat into something else there. But <laughs> No, you're touching on really important, really important points. And now my, I'm telling questions. Do you also then help mothers and their partner and their partner also understand the matrescent journey or is it just you know just with the individual work and then the mother sort of has to deal with the partner on her own <laughs> yeah I mean I think, I think there is a definite space for partners to be involved and I think that if the partner is willing I would definitely be open to that because I think that it is so vital for the partner to hear it especially from a third party maybe because when you have, maybe it's the mother telling the partner, maybe they won't receive the information as well if there's been you know conflict or difficulty there. So by having uh, a third party explain it, I, I can definitely see the benefit. I haven't had that experience myself, but through my work as a doula in terms of the antenatal and birth preparation, I would be, I would be working with the partners because to <laughs> envelope them on that experience as well of the of labor but and I would also touch on the the matrescence journey in that way but I haven't specifically worked with with partners in that sense but there's definitely a space <laughs> yeah no that's incredible you, like there's that saying like it takes a village to raise a child mm -hmm. but even from what you're explaining around the mat the matrescence journey is very much like maiden to mother so we're speaking about that one person that self and her journey but that loneliness and isolation and like the lack of understanding from the community that you described as being one of the biggest challenges comes from wanting other people to understand your journey as well and like your partner and your parents or whoever it is that's in your circle that's raising that child with you and again there's a lot to say for the patriarchy in that because of you know, all of a sudden we are not in tribes anymore. We're not in our circles, where we're in our villages, sorry, where we are cared for. We're suddenly in a nuclear family or living in a house by ourselves, not knowing our neighbours. And it's like you don't have that support. You don't have those people that you can just lean on or ask for 10 minutes so you can take a shower. Like, it's just not you don't have that. You're not held in the same way. So, yeah, it takes a village to raise the child. We've all heard that term several times and everybody is searching for that village ultimately because we go to the baby classes, we go to the different things to try and find that village and to find that community when we're um, young mothers, definitely. Um, and yeah, you're lucky if you do find other mothers that you connect with on such a way that you can say everything you want to say but then you have the social expectations and the pressures of even mother to mother you know we we put ourselves in that cycle of if we're not honest about our experience if we don't talk about what we're going through then the conversation will never change and that's really part of this conversation that's part of the matrescence conversation for sure because until we start having these honest conversations about motherhood nobody's going to speak up so I would rather sit there and talk about all the challenges that I've had with motherhood if it meant that somebody else was then feeling empowered to have that conversation with one of their peers. 
because I wouldn't want to sit there and say, yeah, my child sleeps through the night. We've had no challenge feeding. You know, they are happy to do this, happy to do that. When it's just not the reality, right? And, and until we go, yeah, do you know what? I find this really, really hard and I'm really struggling with this. There's no... There's no shame in being vulnerable. There's no shame in finding it difficult. You know, we're expected to have a baby and know how to be a mother. And it's not. Being a mother takes training. We have to learn how to do it. And by we do have these motherly instincts, but mothering isn't all instinctual, you know, and there's a lot to learn. (laughs) And it doesn't just come to us overnight. And I think that also needs to be appreciated that, you know, everyone goes, oh, you know, mother instincts kicking in. And it's like, yeah, it does to an extent. Of course it does, because that's science. But at the same time, there's so much that we have to learn. There's and also how many angles are we taking these learnings from? Because my grandma would be telling me a different story to what the next scientist has told me about this development stage. And then I've got the person down the road that's in the park telling me, oh, well, that's not how I did it with my one. And, you know, it's like, where are you? And then you've got, you know, maybe from the the father's side, maybe it's from a different culture and they were raised very differently as well. And so it's there's so many different conversations that could impact what you're trying to work out as a mother and you're trying to work out what your gut is telling you against where you're getting all this possible social media information or you've seen a reel of somebody saying this or this and yeah it's it's weighty it sits on you for sure yeah and I think something that you just brought up too is you know mother to mother and I think One of the experiences that I've had is I'm very careful who I talk to about my mothering experiences and my experiences as a mother, because I know that there are certain expectations that society has as to how I should be a mother or what I should be doing or not be doing. And Americans have one expectation. My husband is Dominican. Dominican families or Hispanic families have another expectation. And here I am trying to merge the two because I'm also Hispanic, you know, from a Hispanic background, but there are things like, let's say in the Hispanic culture that I wouldn't be okay with how I raise my child now, but there's also things in the American culture, which I'm also not okay with, with how I raise my child. And so it's finding a way to, you know, merge the two, find a balance between them. And then also finding mothers who understand that challenge or who are going through something different and they aren't going to judge me for not doing it the way that it's supposed to go or doing it supposed to be because that's how they were taught or that's what society told them to do their society when, you know, it's so different in so many different places. So for one instance, and I'm probably going to get a lot of hate for this, but it's, it's, you know, whatever, (laughs) this is a really important topic to talk about. For instance, when I was in Ohio, I lived in Ohio for, for three years. Yeah, you're not eating. I was told that there's no co-sleeping at all with my child. You just cannot co-sleep. Put your child in a crib all the time. And because it's dangerous, they can die, so on and so forth. There can be accidents, blah, blah, blah. And I understand that as, a, as somebody who's obviously, you know, done science and just understands the risks of these things. But I found myself needing to co-sleep with my child because her feeding habits were just not normal. She would wake up every two hours. And it was just such a toll on me as a mom to get up every two hours in the middle of the night to grab her to come and then to like have because I was breastfeeding the first three months and then to try to figure that out. And then she wasn't, you know, attaching herself well unless I was in a certain position, especially if I was laying down all these things were happening. And then I had this pressure subconsciously of like, I can't co-sleep with my child because I'm going to kill her. And then I ended up co-sleeping with her anyway. And she even actually still sometimes co-sleeps with us because that's, that's just the thing that sort of evolved to. But before I decided that I had to do a lot of research as to why co-sleeping is such a taboo in the United States. And it's because of the accidents that happen, like the SIDS, And I understand that, but there's so many cultures out there, especially in tribes and everything that co-sleep with their children all the time. And these things don't happen. So it was just very, very hard for me to figure out what was going to be okay for me and then not feel like a horrible human 
for deciding that as a mom. And these are one of the things that I had a really hard time having to accept and try to talk to about with other moms, because it was just like, no, you can't do that. Like you're being horrible. You're going to kill your child. And I'm like, no, like I'm obviously taking safety precautions. I'm not, you know, drinking or doing drugs or like all this stuff that I heard that that's what happens sometimes when like moms, like, you know, or their, their fathers kill their children in the sleep is because sometimes they're under the influence and that's very, it's unfortunate. And other times it's just accidents. But, you know, if you, I feel like if I took the the measures and the precautions to take care of my child, which I did, we would be okay. And here we are now and she's fine. But it was so hard for me to be like, oh, yeah, I co-sleep with my child and then get all the crap from it. And how do you then, you know, how do you help women who have that sort of issue, not necessarily with the co-sleeping, but with like dealing with the societal pressure of being the right type of mom or a good mom and what that means in their society and then having to figure out what what is that for them? So I can only speak from my own experience um, and not coming from my professional background right now, but coming from my mothering journey yeah I co-slept with both of them and I still co-sleep with with my second son their dad sleeps with my first son and we genuinely believe that uh, they are the secure happy individuals that they are because of co-sleeping actually they feel you know there's a whole conversation around sleep training and different ways of yeah feeding your children and there's there's so many conversations that I won't get into because of, you know, there's so many opinions out there. But what I will say to any mothers listening and any mothers that I would work with is you just need to work out what sits well with you. What works to means that baby gets the most sleep, mum gets the most sleep, everybody is at their happiest, everybody is safe. And none of as long as you've done your research, you know what is okay, what is not okay. As long as you are comfortable with your decision as a mother as a person then that is what's most important you know a mum needs to be rested and she needs to be having the right nutrition she needs to be having the right support and if co-sleeping is the way to do that then fantastic you know other people have other ways of maybe yeah maybe their children don't need to be or aren't waking up four times a night to be fed fantastic I'm so happy for you that you can have your baby in the crib next to you but that's not my child my child wants to be feeding every couple of hours still even at eight months and so I can't get out of bed and (laughs) and I wouldn't want to try because I also do believe that there's so many benefits to to co-sleeping outside of just feeding you know the security that that I give my children through co-sleeping they wake up with a smile on their face and Mm -hmm. that just brings me so much joy and we can lay there and have a cuddle and it's just yeah it's it's beautiful I love it and personally I can't I can't sit there and hear my child cry I can't put them in the crib and do the sleep training it's just not what I personally can do but again that's my experience and I don't say that with any kind of judgment because as I said everybody has different realities right and some mums have to go to work and they have schedules and they have different things that they've that they've got that's affecting their journeys as well so um yeah (laughs) now that makes me feel really good hearing you say that because I'm telling you it was a really big one for me and it's like you said I don't I don't think that not co-sleeping is not okay. I just think that if people do things differently, you know, it's okay. It doesn't mean it's wrong all the time. You understand? It's like like you said, as long as your child is safe, as long as you're safe, as long as you're doing what's right for you and you've done your research and everything, and these are not like, you know, woohoo, whatever decisions that you're making, and it just works for you and your child, then I don't think that we should be judging each other as mothers. Like we're all going through the same thing. Just everybody's journey is different and that's going to look different and it's okay. Nobody, nobody knows more than the other person when it comes to this stuff, you know, it's all just different and dependent on your child's needs and your needs. And what you say is very important. So I think it was just really nice to hear that. And I think other women, other mothers need to hear that too. 
definitely. Um, and I think that, you know, even not just around the conversation around motherhood, but just like generally in life, like we've got to appreciate how much ego comes into judgment. <laughs> and so obviously day to day, there's so much ego in the world, but especially with mothering and looking at motherhood, even people that aren't mothers, even people that are males or whatever teenagers that like you get judgment from every angle right and so and that's people's egos that are ultimately leading that um and so i think you're only in control of your own choices you're only in control of your your approach to mothering um and yeah that takes us on to conscious parenting maybe you know we are only responsible for the way that that we treat our children um and I do believe, as I said before, like as long as you've done your research and you've had those conversations, make sure that you go home and you retreat into what you've learned and work out what feels good in your gut. Where, where do you, what do you agree with and what do you not agree with? It's, yeah, it's, it's about understanding all the different possibilities or the different options out there and then just asking yourself the questions I'd say and obviously your partner as well or anyone that's that's close with you in in raising those children but I think you have to massively step away from expectations <laughs> yeah and the thing is we do have those resources today like when like when we talk about conscious parenting I think it's an important dynamic to bring into the awareness the fact that conscious parenting is about what and just consciousness in general is just about where you are with your life versus what has been conditioned in you to be something else like that what society is expected of you and for all of us as humans that comes from our parents and I mean I'm in my 30s and I know that in my parents generation who are you know 20 years older than me they didn't have they didn't grow up with the internet and they didn't grow up they may have had books but probably for whatever reason you know in their society they, there was my dad always said to me there is no book that teaches you how to parent he said that most of my upbringing but the funny thing is now is that there are books and there's research and I'm not saying listen to the books listen to the research but you know what you're saying is making your own decisions about doing the research and then trusting what feels good for you and I think that's so important because since when did we outsource our instincts to meet somebody else's expectations and I think mainstream society conditions us to do that all the time not just as a mother but as a human you know we're always constantly trying to please everybody else and be accept accepted by society so that we belong in our social circles that people love us so that we're praised and then by doing that we're actually outsourcing our power to somebody else and we're not listening to our instincts and what actually feels good to us and as a mother, I'm sure that your instincts must, you know, they say there's mother instincts that must kick in so much. And therefore, there's any, even, you know, heightened need to really need to listen to that instinct and do what's right for you. And and when it's not OK, you know, when things aren't OK, and like you say, society conditions us to actually think that things need to be okay all the time and that you get approval from society when you've had a good night's sleep, when your baby's going through development as they should, I say in inverted commas, as who should, like we're all humans having a human experience. There's no one-stop shop and this is how things are supposed to be. You know, we're all so unique and there's so much to explore in the world as we're growing up and doing things differently and giving people that permission to say, actually, things aren't okay right now is so empowering in itself. And I wonder as somebody that isn't yet a parent, what we can do to support people to better support people and mothers in obviously in particular when things aren't okay you know first I guess two parts of the question is how do we enable those conversations and second of all how do we support mothers when things aren't okay so I guess I'll just start with what is coming to me but I'd say try and open the conversation ask a mum how she's doing and when she goes yeah 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 yeah, and just be like okay maybe ask a bit more of a deeper question maybe try and latch on to something that she's you know given a little insight on and just really try and dig a little deeper because I think the initial as we all do the initial answer to how are you is yeah good how are you and no we're not good maybe you know maybe there is something or something a struggle going on that we we need to speak about but we don't feel like we can just open ourselves at that moment and yeah from mother to mother ask the questions and be 
vulnerable and see what response you get. And if somebody meets you with judgment, then ask them a question, you know, see, ask them a question that they might feel a little bit uncomfortable with answering, but actually that might help them open up a little bit and speak truthfully about your experience if you feel able, uh, because we all, we know what the reality of motherhood is. If you're a mum, you know what it is. And it's up to you if you want to see it for what it is and if you want to talk about it for what it is. But just think about the mothers that are yet to come and our daughters and their, our granddaughters that are going to experience motherhood. Like, wouldn't you want them to have a better experience or to be better seen or for them to know what they're going to step into naturally because people have spoken about it during their teenagers. People have spoken about it when we're talking about menstruation. People have not hidden what what we can go through and just see it as like how much respect you can get from living what we've lived because being a mum is hard, okay? It's so hard and yet we don't get the justified response for that. Nobody sees you for what you go through. Nobody understands. Unless you're a mum, you don't understand. And that's that's not a bad thing and that's not pointing the finger. That's just you can't understand. So you can't understand anyone else's life, right? Yeah. <laughs> not just about motherhood, but yeah, it's it's about bringing that honest conversation and bringing that education for me. And I agree with that. And I would actually add for me too, it's a little bit of when you say, you know, it's about asking questions, it's that element of curiosity, right? Like be curious because you just, you don't know what you know until you know it. And you just also don't know what you don't know. So it's very important to be curious, especially when talking to, I feel like this is with anybody, but since we're in the terms of like moms, I think it in order for others to support each other, I think there's that element of curiosity. Just be curious. Like what is that person going through and what does it look like for them and be empathetic. And I think that element of empathy is really important. I know it's, it's not everywhere, but when it comes to supporting each other as a whole, I think that those two elements are very important. Be curious, ask questions, like you said, try to understand it from their perspective using empathy. And the support will just be a l- lending an ear most of the time, because oftentimes what we want to do is just sort of like vent. Because we, I feel like oftentimes we have the answers and we know what we could do or we should do, we just need some sort of an outlet. And if we want advice, or if we need that sort of guidance, then, you know, if you can't give it, that's fine. But at least just say, you know, I'll help you if you need help, or I'll help you figure it out. And that's, that's just as important, you know, for me, at least, I don't necessarily need you to give me answers, just knowing that you're going to be there throughout the journey is good enough for me. Yeah, and I think that that's definitely really important to say um, because, you know, I spend, I'm a stay-at-home mum for for most of my days, you know, like obviously when I'm working, I'm working, but majority of my time I am with my, my children at the moment, obviously with, with my second son being so young. You go around in your head a lot, <laughs> you know, you don't have people to speak to a lot of the time. And so you do end up kind of clocking around and around in your mind. And so just by having someone that, can see you and feel seen for what you're saying is just gold sometimes and it feels like a a really simple thing to ask for but it's not something that we get a lot is to be just seen um so yeah I just wanted to to add that (laughs) yeah it's a really really important point and for the mums that are listening that you know regardless of where they are in their journey what advice would you give them in how best they can support themselves? Very difficult questions because uh, I will I will answer it from <laughs> both angles, from my personal experience, but also from um, from my professional uh, angle as well. Uh, so it's hard to give yourself advice. Um, but I will give myself some advice right now and say that to support myself, I need to make sure that I have 
time to know myself again. Um, I have time to recognize me for me and take myself out of my motherhood role and my role in the home. And I think it's really important to carve out that space for ritual and having those small rituals in place is <laughs> is so so needed in our day. And, you know, it's about prioritizing those 10 minutes of breath work, prioritizing a yoga nudra or prioritizing just a little bit of stretching to just move that energy around your body instead of doing the dishes, which I find myself doing far too often. <laughs> and being, yeah, making sure that you're putting yourself first. And that is extremely difficult to do, as we all know. Um, but we know that's the answer. And that is what I would suggest and uh, recommend to any mothers. And I will take on my recommendation. <laughs> I will try to take on my recommendation more. What do you think, Deborah? How would you answer that? I think, yes, absolutely. And I would also add a little bit of patience and self-compassion. So self-forgiveness, mostly. I think oftentimes we get very frustrated with ourselves when we don't honor a specific role or fit into a specific identity or don't accomplish a specific task, either for ourselves or for our family or for our children. And, you know, the best way to support yourself is understanding that it's a learning curve, that it changes there needs to be a little bit of patience from our side, from ourselves, a little bit of self-forgiveness and being okay with our mistakes and our ignorance and our just, you know, even just our day-to-day, -day, like, you know, our routines that sometimes just don't fit, things like that. Just being self-forgiving and a little bit self-compassionate and saying, it's okay tomorrow will be better or I'll figure this out later or this is a process I'm I'm doing the best that I can you understand and a little bit of that from ourselves too like if we can't always give ourselves that time that we need to be with ourselves and put ourselves first then be able to forgive ourselves and be a little bit of compassion and patient with ourselves before anybody else does I think that it's very important because people I feel like people tend to be a little bit more understanding like if I will express myself, let's say to my husband or to my friends about whatever issue I might be going through, they'll be like, oh, it's okay. You'll be okay. But you have to believe that and you have to really understand what that means for you and how to be okay with just learning and going through the journey and knowing that it's not always going to be perfect. Thank you for sharing this space with us today. If we've resonated with you, we'd love to know. And if you enjoyed listening, please subscribe and you can find us on Instagram at The Feminine Gathering. And let's continue to navigate this new paradigm together.